Brooklyn Dad Compliant, and other political hacks. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for March 27th, 2021. Jason Cousineau, superfan Melissa from Missouri, and Eric Fisk, that's me, discuss the controversy surrounding the character from Twitter known as Brooklyn Dad Defiant and the revelations that Majid Paladin has been a bought and paid for operative during the entire 2020 primary season and general election. Can you really trust the opinion of someone who is getting paid to tweet? And how do you know that their views are actually their own? Jay, Melissa, and I revisited the investigation into the Fedora Chronicles back in 2015 by the state of New Hampshire's Attorney General's office and the false charges that we did not disclose who actually pays for this service. This would be a great time to remind you that the Fedora Chronicles is actually brought to you by you, our listeners. Special thanks to our supporters on Patreon via patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles and to those of you who have bought our swag on zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us and enjoy the show. So for everybody who's listening in right now, uh, super fan Melissa from Missouri is joining us on this spectacular, um, I don't even know what you call it, St. Patrick's Day. And Jay and I were just talking. Um, My son asked first thing in the morning, Dad, how soon is too soon to start drinking on St. Patrick's Day? And I think the only answer to that is if you're setting your alarm to get up early is just to just to drink that's too early yeah but after you normally get up it's fine you you do realize that i'm going to take a lot of guff from the in-laws for posting this because my son tumble (laughs) how can you how can you how can you allow your senior editor and your executive producer who's only 16 years old drink so young no 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 it's coffee he wants no coffee yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the ticket. Yeah. You just asked. Right. It's better yep. to ask. Exactly. It's okay to ask. Asking doesn't mean he's he's actually drinking. Right. That's what my kids are doing. Right. It's not like he had asked, Dad, how is how is it too soon to, to put a woman on the corner and make her start working for you? You know, it's not like he asked that. <laughs> I mean, it's all in perspective. Wouldn't that be Italian and not Irish? I'm sorry. I shouldn't. That's that's got to be some form of racism. I don't know. I don't know. I I I have no idea. So anyway, she's selling trotters. Yes. Yes, we'll go with that. That sounds good. Now I'm not in trouble. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, except trotters sound disgusting. But you know, I guess there's worse things to eat. Okay, wait a minute. What are trotters? Because I thought boiled. those were like shoes. No, uh, boiled pig's feet. Oh, that is gross. Okay, boiled. Pig's feet? Ugh. Oh, well, you know, you probably eat it and don't know it because it's that's the kind of stuff that's used in canned foods, like in pork and beans and, and pork other... Pork and beans. Yeah, I... Uh, maybe it's just me, but, you know, like, I've tried a lot of exotic foods over the years. Like, I've tried beef tongue. I've tried, like, cow cheek. Um, but pig's feet just doesn't seem appetizing to me you know 
when you grow up in rural America, there's a lot of food that you don't know that your parents and grandparents ate and you probably still eat because it's being used in processed foods like chicken noodle soup uses uh, okay, chicken so, feet. Well, yeah. Yeah, but that's for stock. That's you're not literally eating a piece of chicken's feet. You're you they're using it for creating stock like, you know, they use bones and stuff to create the stock that the that is the the bulk of the soup. No, I've actually heard of people actually eating chicken's feet. I know I, I've heard of it too, but like if you go out and generally speaking, if you make chicken noodle soup on your own, you're using chicken bones, you're using chicken's feet, all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. So this is weird. This is not how I wanted to start the show. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've eaten? Hold on. Speaking of that, I I asked my friend John, who lives in Ireland, how they celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. Because, you know, we we generally have corned beef and cabbage. He's like, oh, we don't eat that shite. We eat enough of it the rest of the year, so we don't eat that. Normally we have a big parade, and then we'll all go down to the pub and get pissed. I'm like, <laughs> so the only thing we're getting right about our celebration of St. Patrick's Day for compared to, you know, actual people in Ireland is we go out and get drunk with our friends. Yes, it is usually the best way to celebrate most Irish anything, actually. Uh, I love John. He has done absolutely nothing, nothing to void any of the stereotypes I have of Irish people. Good for him. I that, love it. That's funny. And and I also think that every, um, every nationality should have one holiday like St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have Cinco de Mayo for the Mexicans, right? Yeah. I don't know what we would have, but we should have something for the Puerto Ricans. We should have something for, you know, the French people, for the 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 Spanish, the Italians, the Germans. We should have something for all of them, except the British. Fuck them. <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> is bound to get pissed and not in oh, the yeah. Irish way. Um <laughs> I don't think the Irish will be upset if the British are not uh, honored and highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. And and I didn't even want to get in on this topic, but it, um, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the uh, Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah. But chances are you probably didn't watch it. I didn't watch it, but I did watch the behavioral group's analysis of it, which I thought was really interesting right so like the behavioral analysis group i love watching them so they talk about like body language right and as i've mentioned before all they won't say that you know this person is lying they'll say there's something there that uh, as an interviewer you should dig into and stuff right and apparently there's a lot of really seriously hurt feelings among the royal family in regards to harry and megan oh yeah oh yeah um by the way, is that your cell phone um, in the background? Yeah, it is. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing serious going on. All right. Melissa? I did not watch it. I'm from a small town. I understand how gossip works and how family battles work out. I thought, you know, I've lived this. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Been there, yeah. done that. I don't need to watch some rich. Yeah, I know. I know how small town <laughs> gossip works, and I think celebrity is small town gossip, only on a big plane. Um, I did yeah. see an interesting thing though that some British guys got some um, royal commentators. Not oh. the people themselves were royal, but they commented on royalty and said. Uh, the interview hasn't been broadcast yet. Would you like to comment on it? And they had three uh, royal commentators. Uh, one was for a British publication. One was one woman was from CNN, and I forgot where the third person was from. And they reviewed the interview without having seen it, and they pretty much raked. Harry and Megan over the coals. So they didn't they didn't actually watch the interview at all or did they No, the they, interview had not been broadcast yet. So they had not seen it, but they were commenting on it. They were commenting on body language, word usage without actually pinpointing exactly what it was. They were vague uh, about what they had seen that they were commenting on that they could tell that Megan and Harry were lying. And on top of that, you have the whole issue with uh, Prince Andrew and Prince Andrew's connection with what's right. uh, with what's his name? Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. I, I have a podcast and I talk about members of my family on the podcast, knowing full well they might hear this someday. Right. Um, and also it it turns out that my some of my in-laws listen to the episodes, especially the ones that Harrison or Carol does the intro to. And they will listen to an occasional episode because I, I you know, I'll send them links. Yep. And if I, if I were to say something like what Harry and Megan had said, you have to know they're going to hear it. You, right. you know, it, you know that it is going to get back to them. If well, I, yeah. if, if I were, if I were to say some of my in-laws just don't like me. They just they just dislike me for whatever reason. You know that they're going to have a conversation. Why would Eric say something like that? Why would Eric what what happened that would make Eric say something like that? This it's not uh, happening in a bubble. It's not happening in this microcosm and it's never going to get out to them. It's not in a vacuum. You got to realize that Harry's dad is going to hear this. Now, regardless of the fact that it's Prince Charles who's a bit of a schmuck, okay? Yeah. Prince Charles was actually married to one of the most beautiful women in the world. Yep. And he wound up messing that up. He downgraded, I think. Not Oh well, yeah. You know, I, I think most of the world agrees with you on right. that. Right. Um I think that part of it though is this is the woman he wanted to marry originally, and they told him no because she wasn't a virgin because that was a big deal. And in fact, Princess Diana was the last one they did a test on. That's weird. After, yeah. Yeah. Did you could you imagine living like that though? I mean, seriously, imagine living where your grandmother will tell you no, you can't marry her because she wasn't a virgin. First of all. I don't think my parents have that information about any of the women I've ever dated. You know, they have their assumptions, but they don't know. And to have your mother or grandmother literally know 
that would be just creepy, wouldn't it? I would actually want to know how would my mother know that this woman was a virgin or not. She's the queen of fucking England. Have you seen James Bond? Yeah. <laughs> and they make them do a test, which we're going to go into a gross thing here. Virginity is not a real thing because what they're searching for may not exist oh, you mean even if a person hymen? has never had sex. They're looking for a hymen, which is just a piece of skin that grows uh, differently on each woman and may not grow as is expected on an on a woman. Yes, but it's tradition, you know. Wow. Okay. And it and it's a and it's a way to actually go, oh, well, even though this woman has been living in a nunnery from birth and has never seen a man until the doctor's visit, uh, she's not a virgin. They can, it's a it's a way that they can say right they off the bat, they can eliminate somebody. Yeah. Um, without actually, you know, saying, well, we don't like her because of X. We can say it's Y. Right. Boy, could you they just... They also uh... used to make people watch the the um, the royal consort give birth to make sure that she was actually giving birth to the heir and not switching out for another child. At some points in history, they not only witnessed that, they would have someone go in and witness the consummation of the marriage as well. I mean, talk about performance anxiety. <laughs> you know? Uncle John, do you have to be here? Yes, yeah. mother insists. Go away, go away. Oh, my God. I'm going straight to hell for that one. Oh, no. I'm going there for various other reasons. You, could you just imagine if the in-laws are actually listening to this episode and the phone calls to Carol's parents? You cannot believe what Eric and his friends were talking about on this week's episode of the podcast. They were talking about royal hymens and, <laughs> and, and, and performance issues in bed. I mean, oh, my God. We got we to gotta shut this thing down. Oh, my God. Um, I'm from a small town. <clears throat> the gossip works. We were talking theoretical things about history, not personal. And since we're getting into like weird things here on the episode already, um, this poor fellow who was going through something at work, and I, I won't elaborate, but he was oversharing, as it were. And he was it, telling me too many things about his own personal life that he really kind of should have kept to himself, but I was being polite. And of course, there was this awkward silence. And I thought that it was like he wants to commiserate. Now he's embarrassed. So I, so I thought to myself, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I'll overshare. But I'll, I'll make something up that's equally as weird and funny. And maybe he would he should know that it's like a joke. <clears throat> so it's like, and it, it, it's like this. I can tell what kind of weekend I'm going to have or what I should be ready for when I come home based upon what kind of drink Carol has waiting for me by the door. If it's white wine, I know that we're having chicken or fish. If it's red wine, then it's going to be beef or pork. If it's an exotic cocktail, it's probably something like exotic uh, Chinese or Korean or Thai takeout food. If it's a glass of warm tap water, I did something wrong and she just found out about it. (laughs) 
Oh dear. And people wonder why I'm divorced. <laughs> um, well, in my in my household, if if uh, if someone came home and there was alcohol waiting for them, they would be expecting really bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're going to need this. Maintain a stiff upper lip. Exactly. But I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's like this thing where it's like people to like tell each other things when you work together with somebody for so long. It's yeah. like eventually you run out of things to talk about. So you talk about like the other like like weird stuff in your life and the yeah. other weird things going on. It's like and it, and it was just like I'm spent. I've told everything that I have to say. I already said in the last podcast and it's and it's like those relatives who ask me, hey, what's new in your life? What's going on with your life? I, I pretty much already said everything that I could possibly say in the podcast and, I, and I'm done. I don't want to talk you about it. Any- just like a, a, like a, a business card. When people ask you, if you want to know how I'm doing, here's my podcast. Exactly. Just kind of hand it to them and <laughs> kind of wander away through the party. Which reminds, which reminds me, um, uh, we're actually going to have uh, new cards coming out and, and, uh, and I will be sending them to you folks if you're interested in handing them out so anyway what the real topic that i wanted to talk about now that we've talking about um uh day drinking royal hymens and what kind of cocktail carol has waiting for me when i come home um jay and i wanted to do a mini episode about uh brooklyn dad defiant and why the story about him really upset me and why I thought it was pod worthy. There is, I'm not even sure what you would call this guy now. He's somebody who posts on Twitter and he says crappy things about politicians that he doesn't like, especially Republicans, especially conservatives. But he also said a lot of unfair, mean spirited things about all the other candidates besides Joe Biden. He was an early Joe Biden supporter. Even when when Joe Biden's ratings were in the garbage. And I think that you and I, Jay, we had talked about how it's hard to imagine. It's hard to believe that Joe Biden was going to be the nominee when during the New Hampshire primary, maybe six people came to hear him talk here in southern New Hampshire. Yes. And he would cancel uh, talks and speeches in the middle of the afternoon or late in the afternoon. And he wouldn't do um, speeches late at night. And when I mean late at night, like I mean six or seven or eight o'clock at night, he, he just wouldn't do them. And it was, and you and I would were saying and asking each other, when is Joe Biden going to drop out? And yeah, when he first announced you and I were like, is, really seriously, Joe fucking Biden. So I'm going to I'm going to send I'm going to send you this like I'm and I because it is since it's St. Patrick's Day and people are probably already playing the Fedora Chronicles drinking game. I don't want to mispronounce this guy's name because I I don't I I don't want to ruin these people's name. How would you pronounce this guy's name? Um, Uh, Oh, my God. All right, Melissa, we're going to need your help with that. Padellan? Padellan? Is that? I would say the first one is Majit uh-huh. Paladan. But I don't, 
I don't know about the last name. Uh, the first name, I would go with Majid. All right. So yeah. Majid Paladin, who is known as Brooklyn Dad Defiant on Twitter, was outed as being a paid operative by a whole bunch of other people, including a DNC pack. And really? Yes, really. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. The news item that I had just sent you, um, who is Majid Padan, influencer Brooklyn dad slammed for $60,000 in payments for pro-Biden and anti-Trump tweets. Brooklyn dad defiant has previously been been called cringy and annoying for calling Jill Biden's Americans mommy. So if you just do a quick search and like... Like Melissa, like <laughs> Melissa had asked, had suggested, DuckDuckGo should be a sponsor of the podcast. Oh yeah! But if you do a um a quick search for Brooklyn Dad Defiant Pack Money, you will find the other links to the news story about how he's a paid operative, and it's now proven because he's also received a lot of money from Amazon, from Microsoft. There's a laundry list of the other people that he's been taking money from. So that's the thing. So people can just go and if you get enough followers, you can you can make money off of tweeting. Yeah. And that's but that's that's fine. You but but you need to disclose that you need to disclose that. Now, the gag that we had in the intro for the last episode that Harrison edited and did the intro, Mm -hmm. he opened the show by saying that by this rule, by this, by this, by this New Hampshire law, we have to disclose who, who pays us. You have to do, you you have to do a disclosure. Now let's let's hop back into the, um, the, uh, the way back machine with, um, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. And go back to May of 2015, or even before that. I got this letter in the mail from the Attorney General's office. Um, This is from the office of Joseph A. Foster, Attorney General, Ann M. M. Rice, Deputy Attorney General. The person who actually signed this, and I I still have it in my hot little hands right now. Stephen J. Labont, Assistant Attorney General, Civil Bureau, 33 or 33 Capitol Street, Concord, New Hampshire, and I have a phone number. Okay, and this is a this is a, this is this is a two and a half page letter. Okay, and I was alerted to the fact that you have to disclose your name who you are, and where you're getting your money from. When you're doing a political advertisement, uh, if you're talking about a specific candidate, you have to disclose that up front. When did they pass that law? Because I've been out to New Hampshire a few times during the political season, and not once did I hear any advertisement saying paid for by this committee and that committee and the other committee. Yeah, exactly. No, when was when? No, that's exactly the point. When was this law passed? This is something that every quote blogger should know. Right? Are, what, don't they have a duty to inform people when they're passing a law that's affecting their 
their industry? No, because the thing is, it is like it's it's a game of gotcha, Jay. Okay, and ignorance of the law is no excuse. And Harrison had written, or when Harrison did his intro, this is what he was specifically talking about. RS 664-14, in part, all political advertising shall be signed at the beginning or the end with the names and addresses of the candidate, his fiscal agent, or the name and the address of the chairman or the treasurer, of a political committee or the names and the addresses of the person according to whether or not a candidate, political committee, or natural person is responsible for it. Political advertising it is defined as any communication which expressly or implicitly advocates the successor or the defeat of a, of a party, measure, or person of the election. RSA 6642. Uh, Chapter 6, emphasis added. The words or the implicity were struck from the legislature by uh, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to read this. But the thing is, it, it was like if you're, if, if you're paid to talk in favor or opposed to a candidate, if you're getting paid to talk about politics, you need to disclose you're being paid by somebody to talk about politics. If you if if the if the DNC or somebody in the DNC or a PAC working with the DNC is paying this guy to advocate for a candidate, this guy needs to disclose the fact that he's getting paid to talk about. Now that's according to New Hampshire law, right? Right. I'm sure. I'm sure that all the other states have the same law. I'm pretty sure of it. Now. This is the thing that I've always wondered about, right? Yeah. It's like you and I have this podcast. Right. And we talk about a bunch of shit every week. Now, if the state of, say, Rhode Island were to pass a law stating that anyone Mm. talking about the paranormal has to state that they're doing so for comedic reasons or whatever, does that mean we would have to put that disclaimer just because it was in one state because our podcast is available in that state? I'm not quite sure how the laws work in regards to that. And my point and point of relevance for this is that if it's a law in New Hampshire that he has to make that information public and he didn't, isn't he open for, at the very least, a heavy fine? Maybe, maybe. Now, Now, a couple months before May 2015, somebody had accused us on their website that was an anonymous website that we were being financed by the New Hampshire GOP and the John Birch Society. <laughs> the John Birch The John Society. Birch okay. Society. Because I had somebody who's not a member of the John Birch Society on the podcast, and we actually talked about this in the episode. And I asked this guy, Hal, are you a member of the John Birch Society? And he said he wasn't. And I and be, he said he wasn't, and I have to take his word for it. Right. Okay? So the thing is, and I didn't find out about this until after the fact, because the teller at the bank where I used to do business told me that the same attorney general's office here in New Hampshire went through our bank records without even telling us. 
We weren't even How alerted. How can they do that? How can they legally do that? I have no idea. I have no idea. Looking for proof that we that we we were being financed by the New Hampshire GOP and the John Birch Society. The John Birch Society and the GOP usually don't work together, even though there might be some alliance of interest. Um, right. John, John Birch Society is scary. Yeah. Now. Let me ask you something. This is a rhetorical question because I don't you don't know the answer because I don't know the answer. How how could they have possibly have made this connection? Well, it sounds like someone was just talking shit on their site and then someone in the government found out about it. We know how some of the state level politicians feel about you. So it, they probably saw that as an opportunity. What I want to know is how is it fucking legal that they are able to go through your finances without notifying you in advance as to what's going on and why. I have no idea. And I, I don't mean, e- I, I don't even know if this was legal or not, Jay. And that's kind of my point. I'm thinking it isn't. I'm thinking it's I'm unless, thinking it's illegal. Unless it's they fake. in other words, yeah. And I and, and I asked this teller. And the thing is is that he doesn't work at the bank anymore. He's moved on. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't worked there in perhaps maybe five years. He still doesn't want anybody to disclose who he was or how he found out, other than the fact that he used to be a teller at this bank. Right. He doesn't. He well, doesn't. I think he'd get into legal trouble. He'd get in. Yeah, probably. Right. right. I, I don't. I don't blame this guy for not for not wanting people to know who he is. I, I don't blame them at all. But at the same time, I do want to know. How the fuck the attorney general of New Hampshire felt that it was right and proper for them to invade your privacy, because that's what's known nowadays as PII, personal identifiable information. And it is highly illegal for anyone to access that information unless authorized directly or indirectly by a document you've signed. In other words, did you sign a document saying that anyone who works for an office of or relating to the governance of New Hampshire may investigate and look at your personal finances. Because if you didn't, that's what we call highly illegal, highly irregular. Now, if they had reason to believe you had engaged in criminal activity, they could get a warrant that would allow them to do so without your permission. However, they still have to notify you that they conducted that investigation and the results thereof, as I understand the law. And I could be way off base here. Exactly. Now, how, how is this illegal activity? Exactly. Because it doesn't make any sense. To because, me. because all I did, I did what they did. I took what they said on their campaign site. Yep. And I published what they had said on their personal blog and how like there there's a conflict there. They're inconsistent with their opinions. Well, you redistributed publicly available information. That's what we like to call um, day to day business of most people in the fucking intelligent world. There is nothing that says if someone says something and it is on a public forum, i.e. a goddamn website. Right. You cannot repeat said information. Of course you can. That is publicly available information. That is the purpose of having said website. 
And anyone who thinks they have privacy after they've posted something online, that whatever they post online should not be available to the public, is, well, they need professional medical attention and of the psychological sort. Because how can you not realize that what you post online is going to be seen by any and everyone online in this day and age? Yeah, you have to you have to realize that whatever it is that you say online sooner or later somebody is going to read it. Absolutely. Now, the question that a lot of us have about Brooklyn Dad Defiant is that how is it that he's able to get so many followers by posting shitty things about people like Tulsi Gabbard and the horrible things that he said about Tulsi Gabbard? The hateful things that he said about Tulsi Gabbard and the hateful things that he said about Bernie Sanders. Talking about how Bernie Sanders is too old and it's like he's out of touch. He could drop dead at any minute. Same could be said about Joe now, Biden. Couldn't they theoretically sue him for libel? Maybe. But he well, no, he's a he's a public figure. He's a political public figure. You can say anything you want. He is now. You mean Brooklyn Dad Defiant? Yeah, he is now. Now that we know he's working for these people, but if, when he it, that wasn't common knowledge, that would be fall under the laws of slander, not political commentary. Uh, I'm reading this article that you sent me, right? And I I find something very odd about this article. It said, uh, oh, I've lost it here. Uh, following the online uproar and memes against him, Pedalan addressed the claims and refuted them with proof. We dug into the origin of the rumor and found out unknown details about the controversial influencer. Here's all you need to know about his life and recent scandal. Now, it doesn't look like they presented what proof he had given they said that it was proof uh, that the claims against him were false, but they didn't mention what they were or it just like he presented proof and now we're going to talk bad about him. It, hey. It's like I don't see where they're saying he presented this as proof. We we say this is not proof. It's almost like at the very beginning they exonerated him. It was like, well, he, he gave proof. It all's fine. And then they go into the article and it's like they're talking about somebody completely different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know anything much about where where uh, this article is from, but it it it. I think that if they needed to um, take him down, they should have said he gave us this as proof. We said this. We could prove that this is not proof that that uh He's right. not a. He um, said this, but shell. we've our investigation has revealed that kind of a thing. They they should be refuting his quote unquote evidence. Yeah, and they just said, "Oh, he's got proof," and made it sound like all was okay. It's it's just like two different articles here is how mm -hmm. I'm reading it. That's just weird. It's it's like the person that wrote it at the very top is his supporter, and the person that wrote the second mm -hmm. half of the article didn't see the first half and is going on with <laughs> not paying attention anymore. We, we are yeah, 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 whatever. I'm going to do project this. here and we've all done our parts. Oh man. It's just, it's just, it's just craziness. It's craziness. Cause it, it raises a whole bunch of, of, of questions 
as far as if it turns out that this guy has been paid all along by this pack to elevate Joe Biden and to trash Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders, who else who else are they paying? Who else is getting paid to do this work? Well, I mean, that's a valid question. Theoretically, I mean, what's his name there? Um, guy used to wear the bow tie all the time on Fox News. Tucker Carlson. Um, Tucker Carlson. Thank you. Tucker Carlson could be getting paid by Joe Biden to trash talk every other, all of the other candidates. Or he could have been getting paid by, say, oh, I don't know, Kamala Harris to have trash talk Joe Biden. Right. Shouldn't he have to disclose that? You know, I am being paid to do to um, to support so and so through negative campaign advertising. Isn't that wasn't that the point behind, you know, I'm Joe Biden and I approve. This that's message. exactly the reason why. I don't get it. That's that's exactly why. But the thing is, is like this. This is about the dirty politics and the dirty games that they play in dirty politics. Right. And just because we're talking about a, a, a Democratic operative in this particular instance doesn't mean that the Republicans are not engaging in it. Oh, I know for a fact that they are. Absolutely. I, I, I know that they have operatives watching candidates and they take turns watching candidates and what they post on social media. And as soon as they pl- they post something distasteful, they share with the rest of the world. I know for a fact that they do this. I mean, you oh, look yeah. at you look at that documentary by Roger Stone. Yes. And the thing is, you watch you watch that and you see how like there are people like Roger Stone who make really good money playing gotcha games and and posting innuendo like the entire thing about it. Was it I guess it was Elliot Spitzer. Yes. And somehow, some way, Roger Stone found out that there was um, a, a prostitute who knew intimate details about Elliot Spitzer. And what did Roger Stone do? Roger Stone sort of maybe embellished it. Embellished it a, l- embellished it a little, maybe. Like, yeah. um, Elliot Spitzer likes to have sex while keeping his black socks on. Now, why, why is that detail important? And of right. course, and Roger Stone had said, the reason why that's an important detail, because now you can't get that out of your head. And it's, a, and it's a detail that you wish you didn't know. But now that you know, now you can't now you can't get it out of your head. Every every time you think about Elliot Spitzer, you're going to think about him with a Carl girl in her 20s still wearing his black socks and maybe his, his uh, um, sock garters or whatever. You can't get that out of your head now. Now that's burned into your memory. They do that. Now, Roger Stone is the most famous one to do that. But they, there are people on both sides of the political aisle that do that. You know, like clearly this guy is on the Democrat side. Roger Stone was on the Republican side. Right. Now, here's my question. Here's my speculation. Are they going to go through Brooklyn Dad Defiance bank records the way that they did with me? Are they going to go around and talk to his neighbors and see what he's up to with his website? Come on, Eric. The government of New York State doing something that is questionably legal? Ha ha ha. (laughs) What is this? Some sort of 1950s criminal movie? (laughs) 
But is that a legitimate question? Is that a legitimate? Oh, it's absolutely. It's absolutely a legitimate question. I mean, look at what's going on right now with uh, Cuomo, right? There's a lot of people out there almost literally calling for Cuomo's head. They're definitely calling for his political career to be over. And what's going on? Is there an investigation? Is anything happening? Is anyone looking into the accusations that have been levied against him? He could be responsible for more deaths than Jeffrey Dahmer in the way he handled the COVID thing by putting the most vulnerable to it all together in one spot, which he was advised not to do, not to mention all the other shit. So is that, I mean, at, at what point do we, at what point do we start looking at our, our own side in the political structure and say, what the hell are you people doing in my name? And why do you think I would approve of that? At what point do we think or do we say enough's enough? I want people with some fucking integrity to be representing me and you are not it. You know, I look at to me, big tech is is kind of my people because that's what I do for a living. Right. And I look at what Google did to Tulsi Gabbard, who. Up until then, I honestly had no opinion on because I hadn't even heard of her. Right. And then I find out from after watching the Democratic thing, I'm like, wow, she's got some really interesting things to say. Apparently, she's claiming she's reached across the aisle. Let's see what's going on with that. And then on Google, when you did a search for Tulsi Gabbard after her phenomenal performance, right. you couldn't get to her website. It wasn't on the front page at all. It was not on the first page of results. The Tulsi 2020 website was not on those results. And then you find out later that that was done during the course of the um, debate. Yeah. And, and immediately was, right after. And it happened immediately right after the debate. And you're like, well, Google, funny thing there, Bubby. You've been claiming the algorithm is the algorithm. and You, you can't throttle you can, people's search. It takes, yeah. Yeah, and it takes – you can't select the results, and it takes weeks, if not months, for that to propagate throughout your your search engine, only to find out that, well, yes, in fact, they can, and they do. Right. Therefore, you cannot trust Google, which is why we use – DuckDuckGo. should be our, our, our sponsor, DuckDuckGo, right? But then we and would – if ha you are from DuckDuckGo – Please listen and consider a sponsor. <laughs> exactly. The Chronicles. We only yeah. we only advertise for products that we use. Oh my God, right. that's brilliant! That's awesome. That's brilliant. You got that? Please tell me you recorded that. I sure did. <laughs> I'm recording it. Oh, wouldn't now would be a bad time to tell you I forgot to hit record, wouldn't it? It would be a very bad time. Good thing I'm not going to tell you that right now. No, I mean. <laughs> Because I mean, the thing, I mean, could you just imagine our sponsors? You know, um, uh, Dell, <laughs> Andrea Tognarelli, Crack and Rum. It would be Duck Duck Go. It would be hamburger a hamburger helper. <laughs> no, I don't use hamburger helper. But I, but I, what I would like to know is that where are the calls? to the attorney general's office to look into Brooklyn dad defiant, or as we, he, we should call him Brooklyn dad compliant. 
where are the right. calls for the investigation? Because because here's the thing. If I'm looking at this letter from the attorney general's office from the state of New Hampshire from May 2015 about not disclosing information behind the website and who and who's paying us. So this is a, this is a law that has been on the books for a while anyway. Yes. And if New Hampshire has it, you it's fairly reasonable to assume that other states would have similar laws. Cuz laws don't sept, don't aren't generally that drastically different from state to state. Right. You would you would imagine that that New York would have had this law on the books be before New Hampshire. Did I say that right? New York should have had this law on the book the books before New Hampshire, except, of course, New Hampshire is like the first in the nation primary state. So you could kind of make the argument. But if you're yeah, but New Hampshire is not exactly known for litigation, you know, New York is the state. Everyone sues everybody. So you would kind of assume that if New Hampshire has a law like that, New York's going to probably have a law like that. That would be my guess. That's inevitable. Right. One would think anyway. One would think. So where do we go from here? Where do we go with this information? Knowing what we know now about people like Brooklyn Dad Defiant. Now, according to this other story from The Blaze, popular Twitter troll revealed to be a Democratic PAC to be, I'm sorry, popular Twitter troll revealed to be on Democratic PAC payroll. And the backlash is brutal. People are finding out that Brooklyn Dad Dude is a is on Twitter is a paid shill for the Democrats. And a lot of people have said, well, yeah, the thing is, is that Twitter is full of paid Democratic shills like him. Right. And Republican ones, too. Oh, At absolutely. Least the ones that haven't been deplatformed by Twitter, because we all know how Twitter is fair and bad. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I do want to say that you can get lots of Twitter followers if you buy them. But the yeah, thing is, yeah, point. I mean, but, I could go and if I had enough money and I had a Twitter account that I wanted to advertise, I could go and I could buy as many followers as Kim Kardashian or um, the Dalai Lama or I don't know, uh, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, where, you know, whatever my money would take me. And I could get those followers. They wouldn't be real. They'd be bots. But people look at the top numbers. And if someone has a lot of followers, they must have a lot of important stuff to say. Therefore, I should follow them and listen. Right. So it does make you wonder, how did he get popular? Did he start making his money for shilling for the, for the Democrats because he was popular? Or did he put out a lot of money to get those numbers so that he could shill for the Democrat Party. Well, and you according know. to the article that uh, that you all sent me, uh, it's still up in the air on if he's being paid or not. They've got his name down as this is a person that is being paid, but is that is that the same person? Just because a organization is being listed as paying someone, is that the same person? Granted, that is a very unusual name. Uh, but uh, considering the last four years, I, I am not above or below believing that, um, evidence can be faked. 
Oh no, absolutely. There's there, yeah, there's absolutely um there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that knowing what I know about Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign and all the other graphic design programs out there, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that this thing this could have been fake. But the problem with that is that he also admitted to it. He also had, oh. like everybody everybody ought to know that he's that he's being paid by this this organization. He he basically he came out and he said, "Yeah, what of it?" Now, he admits to being paid. So you have to ask yourself how how many of his opinions are actually his own. Right. You know, and that's if you want to extrapolate that, that's the same problem with having our news media be biased and not admitting it, you know? How much of what CNN says is because it's a Democrat saying it, therefore it has to be a good idea? How much of what Fox says is simply it's coming from a Republican, so obviously it's a good idea? How much of that, we, if we can't trust our media, if the fourth estate has abdicated their responsibilities of holding those in positions of authority accountable, if they've abdicated that responsibility, how can we trust them? And are they worthy of the protections they get for being members of the fourth estate? And it's, it's a, I think, a valid question to ask. I think it's an important question to ask. You know, do you trust what you hear on the news? And pick a news organization, right? If you're someone who tends to lean to the left, if you don't trust what's on Fox News, do you trust what's on CNN? If you're leaning to the right and you trust what's on Fox News, do you trust CNN? If you don't trust CNN, do you trust Fox News? And if you can't see how those two things parallel each other, are you a little too far gone in your political beliefs to be able to acknowledge and recognize your own bias? Well, here's the other aspect to all of this as well. A year ago, you and I devoted a part of the show talking about Elizabeth Warren's astroturfing, where she had people posing with their Warren wear T-shirts and coffee mugs and whatever, all their pro-Elizabeth Warren stuff, as it were. And that the more that you dug into who these people were posing with their Warren wear, on the on the surface, it looked like these were these were just Warren supporters. But the further that you dug into these people, they were actually campaign staffers. Yeah. Now, and the question that we raised is that how is that how is that legal, or is it just an unethical? How many how many people who st- who started the MAGA movement, as it were, started out as as paid for Trump supporters on the other end of the spectrum? Right. Whereas is like and this gets back to astroturfing and me and, and, and maybe we just we just found another batch of astroturfing. Whereas you have people posing as just normal everyday support um, supporters of candidate X turns out to be a paid operative. Wow. Yeah, it's not a difficult question to ask. How is how is this legal, especially with today's finance or uh, campaign laws being the way they are. How is it possible that you can be working for the Democrat Party and not have to disclose that when you're using social media? 
if you are working for the Republican Party and you're using social media, shouldn't you be disclosing that as well? Shouldn't that be just step one so that we know who the operatives are and who the real people are? Not saying that operatives aren't real people, but let's face it, if they're being shilled, if they're shilling for a political party, they kind of aren't real. Right. I think because we... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no you go, go ahead. ahead. I think the thing is, is that this is just not even political. If you go to Amazon or Wayfair and you look at the reviews for products or book yes. reviews, yes. Uh, you you can't trust anything that someone is espousing online because they could be paid to be to do it. Uh, the book review you read that's glowing could be somebody that got paid to review the book and didn't disclose that they were paid. Uh, it could be that uh, the company that made the cruddy couch that is yeah. $800 on Wayfair, that everybody is going, oh, this is just wonderful. It's comfortable. I love it. It's fashionable. And, you know, you go into the reviews and uh, people say, it, I couldn't get it put together. The pieces didn't fit. They were broken when they came. It was warped when I got here. When I got it, the uh, the proportions were strange. Yeah, uh, are those people being paid by one of the competitors? Yeah. Are, are the good reviews or the bad reviews even, even valid? I am a little suspicious when I go to a, a purchasing website and I see four-star reviews. And then you look at the reviews and the reviews are about how horrible the product is. Oh, a fine example. I used to work at a restaurant where the owner bought positive reviews on Yelp. And when I found out about that, I quit. <laughs> Be because... Well, there was other reasons behind that as well. And, I was an asshole. Well, and not, I mean, well, no, that was the last straw, Jay. I think that was that's, the last that's straw. True. That's true, but still. And then to go back and find out that other previous employers at other restaurants were also doing the same things. Like, do you really do you really think that somebody from Pakistan goes to this restaurant in upstate New York every week and is a well-known bar fly at this at this restaurant slash college bar where I used to work? Really? Do you really do you really believe that? Really? Okay. Unless they were a student at the nearby college. That's yeah, that's that's not an uh, that's not an unfair observation. That's that's really not. But, you know, but well, I, that brings up how do you what should be done about it? If anything, should there be a law? It, should that law pertain particularly to political speech or should it be if you're casting a review and you're being paid to re, if you're a paid reviewer, should you be disclosing that? I mean, how far do we take this? How 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 deep does the rabbit hole go, Dorothy? Well, let's just let, let's just also go back into the Fedora Chronicles history here, and I'm actually going back um, to talk about talk amongst yourselves for a minute while I get this up. <laughs> so, what you have for lunch today? Oh, I, I haven't, haven't had... had lunch yet. It's eight o'clock uh... in the morning. I'm still on my first bottle of Kraken. I mean cup of coffee yeah that's it it always freaks me out when i see our podcast show up on amazon or audible <laughs> um walt and i had an issue 
Walt and I had a, a, a heated discussion about this. We were talking about the documentary by um, Jeremy Corbell, um, or Corbell, take a shot if I mispronounced his name. We were talking about the hunt for, skin, for the skinwalker and his documentary. I hated the documentary. I thought it was the worst documentary on the paranormal that I've ever seen in my life. I regard this as the Howard the Duck of paranormal documentaries. Oof. Okay? I thought it was that bad. Oh, that sounds so creepy. And yeah. and Walt ha- had said that it it was a ter- it was a terrific documentary. He thought it was an amazing documentary and we should we should talk this up. So maybe we could get Jeremy Corbel or Corbell on our podcast. And my argument was, why would I want him on our podcast if he made such a horrible documentary? Now, it turns out that he he followed that up with an amazing documentary about Bob Lazar. Right. But the thing is, I didn't I don't want to promote this horrible documentary that you have to pay to see. Right. Well, it was like when Al Gore came out with his own horrible documentary, The Inconvenient Truth, right? I remember on a forum that you and I used to frequent, this one person was like, I could recommend everybody watch it, even if you don't think you'll like it. And I'm like, if I don't think I'm going to like it, why would I support them by giving them my money? And it's kind of the same thing. If he made a horrible documentary, why would you promote the horrible documentary using your platform if someone, if you recommend that documentary and someone goes and watches it, like, this is shit. This is just crap. They're going to think less of your podcast after that. Yeah. You know, no one. They, and are you willing that? to tear it down? If you right. truly think it's, if you truly think it's a horrible, horribly produced and made documentary, are you willing to tear it down on your show and say, I'm, pre- I'm presenting this documentary? And this is why I think it's horrible. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's not a good way to get the guy who made it on your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it'd be an interesting interview if you got him there to do it. <laughs> it would. It, it really would be. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> so tell us, how bad? How long have you been sucking at making documentaries? But then who would want to come on my podcast after hearing that? True. Right. It'd still be very fun to listen to. <laughs> it, w- it would be so what's the antidote what's the answer to all of this right is there again is it is there a law that should be passed should that law include if you're being paid to advertise should you admit that you're being paid to advertise because let's face it if you have advertising on your podcast for example just to pull an example out of the air completely off the top of my head isn't that redundant? You know, but then again, we also have, if you listen to any any podcast that does have sponsorship, they always show for whatever sponsors they have on the podcast. Usually they set time aside for it. I remember Glenn Beck used to get in trouble because he would talk about the products as part of the show. Right. Well, as shilling for them. And people were like, he shouldn't do that. I'm like, so... 
you're against product placement? Have you ever seen a movie in your life? He really loved those khaki pants. Hey, and if he did, just like, you know, we talk about crack and rum and, and duck, duck, go, because we use those on a daily basis. You know, I worry about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) but this is if, if I'm an advertiser and we're talking about them anyway, why would they be willing to sponsor us if we're giving them free advertising is part of it. And are there people out there who are listening to our podcast thinking, oh, they've got to be getting paid. We're not, we're not getting paid. We have no, the only sponsors we have are those of, those of our listeners who choose to support us on Patreon or through buying anything on our Zazzles. Right. That's the only sponsorship we have. So, you know, how far does it go? And do you really want the government to have that much control over what is essentially a private transaction? Do I, do I really want to be having a conversation with someone and they interject, oh, by the way, just so you know, I am a paid advertiser or I do get paid to show for the Democrat Party. Is that, is that the kind of things we want to have in our day-to-day life, in our day-to-day discussions? I mean, but it's it's a question worth asking. And I mean, again, you kind of this kind of leads into how we as individuals fundamentally think the role of the government is if we want to have a law. If we don't want to have a law, then how do we get society to change to either be more honest or be more open? Either way, and the end result's the same, right? Well, Jay, let me let me introduce. Let me interject with this, but hold on one second. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nothing will make your hot beverage cooler than your own coffee mug from Zazzle.com. You can get your own coffee mug with the Fedora Chronicles logo right on it by going to Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. And remember, 12.5% of every purchase helps keep this podcast on the air. Mm. Ah, that's some good coffee. Do you want that? I mean, I I do it jokingly. Yeah. I I do I do it as a joke, as a gag. But is that how we want everything to go? I don't mean- don't you wish I mean the thing is, I mean that's the kind of shit and pardon my language. Um, that's the kind of crap that Glenn Beck would do, like right in the middle of talking about something he would talk about. Now's a good time to buy gold and you can buy gold, not gold certificates, but actual tangible gold by going to beckgold.com. And if you call in right now, you can get 10% off your first order under a hundred dollars. And then right, he'll which, go on and start telling you about why gold is so important. Right. But at the same time, though, isn't that how advertising used to be handled? Oh, back that, in, yeah. Way back in the day. Absolutely. There's no laws preventing that that I'm aware of. Actually, there, there, the there, there are. The I believe that there are laws that prevent you from doing that. Are there? Okay. there I think that you can you, like when you do when you do a paid advertisement, you actually have to break. That's the reason why they have commercials. That's why they say, and now now a word from our sponsors or they would do a commercial break. Like, you know, it's a commercial. 
Yeah, but back in the day, that wasn't how it was done. So, I mean, if there is a law, then, yeah, what the hell, Beck? But if there isn't, then he's just advertising differently. He's, you know, trying something new. Oh, my gosh, horror of horrors. He's trying something new. But if there is a law, then, yeah, okay, you know, conform to the law, you asshole. What the hell? Yeah, and we're talking about somebody who used to be one of our favorites, but not anymore. Because right. it, it turned out that he was a, a paid for show. Well, he also got very, very weepy. Yeah. And I'm going to quote William Joel, the great 20th century philosopher. I would la rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints because only the good die young. Ex yes. Well, that's too late for me. <laughs> Not saying any more on that, but it's too late for me. So. <laughs> yeah, Eric and I are both should is she joking? Should we make a joke? You never joke with a woman about her age. Well, I'm shutting up. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I could always say you don't know where I live, but I know where you live. But we don't <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason why she's super fan Melissa from Missouri. And we don't even know if Missouri is really where she's from. <laughs> no, really, we don't. Uh, so that so I, I basically I think that that's it. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is I think we all need to kind of ask ourselves if this, what does he call himself? Um, Brooklyn Dad. Brooklyn Dad Defiant. If Brooklyn Dad Defiant was a paid operative, who else do you follow or listen to that may also be a paid operative? And do you feel cheated learning after the fact that they are a paid operative, would you rather know in advance? Would you rather just not know at all? That's not a hard question to ask. You know, I, I am I'm fine for knowing who gets paid and who doesn't because I do not believe that my elected officials are gods. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I I would like to know faults and uh, I would like to know who's paid to say there's faults. It makes it a little easier to know what may or may not be true. <coughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can learn a lot about the Jews by talking to a Nazi, but are you getting the truth? Of course not. I don't talk to Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, but therefore proving my point, though, right? If you're hearing nothing but negative about a political candidate, and then you find out 90% of what you're hearing is being paid for by people of the opposite, of the opposing party, how much do you believe what they're saying? I think we've gotten to a point where we can't believe anything that's being said. No. And and that's why we get people that believe things like uh, the forest fires in California were started by Jewish lasers from space. And, you know, you try to say... That's insane, and no one believes anything. But there's that's... people who actually believe that. You cannot convince them. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I know these people. I'm, yeah. I'm frightened of them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's horrifying, though, but do we, do we really need that to be a law? Can't we just take care of that ourselves? Can't we just, I don't know, maybe exercise some antique form of thought process that used to be taught commonly which is critical thinking right but the th but 
See, I mean, I'm of two minds of this. I think that now that you know that he's a paid operative, act accordingly. If you don't mind the fact that Brooklyn Dad, Defiant, is paid for and he's paid to say what he says, that's on you. You Now you have the information. Well, and how do you feel after finding that out after the fact? How do you feel about us listening to this podcast, knowing full well that, the you know, I do it because I do it because I love it and I love talking to Jay and Melissa as often as I can. And this is an excuse. Right. This is an excuse to keep in touch with you. Knowing right. also full well that I've turned down money, knowing full well that the minute you take somebody's money, that's an invitation for them to tell you what you can and can't do on your podcast. Right. All right. And no matter how many times I talk to other podcasters about this, that's the danger of taking their money. The minute the minute that we start taking money from DuckDuckGo is the minute that they they could tell us once we've got. Yeah you, need to, yeah, you need to lay off on the conspiracy theories. You need to not talk so much about the, you know, search engine optimization and how evil it could possibly be. Exactly. Well, I think they would like that because they claim that they don't do that. Right. Well, yeah, I'm just, you know, throwing a for instance out there. I mean, it's the point is, is we've. We've had offers from people to help us, quote unquote, monetize the podcast. And Eric and I have had some pretty long, thoughtful discussions about it because there's always that danger of them feeling like they now own the podcast. You guys yeah. wouldn't be anywhere without me. And if you want to continue your, you know, oh, you yeah, continue having all this paid for you, you better toe the line. Or we're going to yank our funding. Isn't that how pol- politics works? Isn't that what cancer cult- cancel culture is all about? Defunding them, getting people to stop sponsoring the people you disagree with. Well, if you're not dependent upon those sponsors, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Try and cancel me. I'm paying for the shit out of my own pocket. Seriously. And But there's other ways that they can try and cancel us. Like, for example, right. trying to intimidate us with this crap. Well, they can try and intimidate us with that crap. They can also deplatform us by going to the places that, you know, like Spotify and, and you know, iTunes or whatever. Do you hear what they were saying about such and such political candidate? Right. They're just spreading lies. And it's like it's like fact checking. Right. Everyone assumes that because it's been, quote unquote, fact checked, that means that you're only listening to the truth. Right. Well, have you vetted the fact checkers? I wish I remembered the Latin phrase for it, but who watches the Watchmen? And I don't mean the HBO television show. Who who keeps an eye on those fact checkers and verifies that they aren't biased? Who's ensuring the integrity of the people who are telling us, oh, we, we know what the truth is? Do they really know the truth? Or is the truth only what they're what they're being paid to present is the truth. I don't know. That's the, I don't think anyone does. I don't think anybody yeah. knows. I don't think anybody knows what the the solution to this is. But now that you know, if I have to tell you, if I have to tell you where we're getting our money and how we're getting paid, then I think Brooklyn Dad Defiant needs to do the same thing and everybody else like him. And right. when you get caught, there should be consequences. Yep. 
Well, we all have to personally declare our incomes to the IRS. Sure. I don't see why this should be that much different. I mean, except that you're publicly declaring that you are being paid by an organization. I, right. I do think when you're an influencer that you should uh, present that type of information because people should know if there is an, if there's a monetary bias for or against something. Yeah. I, I could mean, agree because with that. It, it's part of critical. I, I think it's in, it part of critical thinking because you need to have as much facts as you can. And right. like I said, we are in an environment where people believe there's space lasers and we're asking critical thinking. Right. We are need to give people as much information as they can. <laughs> are, are, well, are people even capable of it? I mean, I hate to admit this, but Eric and I at least are of a certain age and. I don't believe our children were taught critical thinking in school. I tried teaching my kids critical thinking at home, but it's taken to greater and lesser degrees depending on the child and the age and all that. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things that we would believe was a part of the curriculum you taught in school, but it's not anymore. They're not teaching critical thinking. They're not teaching you this is how you take desperate act or desperate facts disparate facts i can't talk take a shot and, if you mispronounce that word oh of course i did so if you can take that information that you get from different places and extrapolate that and find out information from that those are increasingly rare skills because they are no longer taught in schools they're not taught at the, the collegiate level they're not taught at the pre-college level, you know, it's not something that you're taught in high school anymore. You know, I, I wonder about the technicians of the future because those are vital oh, yeah. skills to have. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I think the only answer to all of this is that you, you just have to be smart enough and be discerning enough that when you get the facts, you should change your opinion based upon the facts that you just learned with, with oh, that. People, I don't, I don't think people are willing to do that. Think about it. How, how many times have you had, especially like in politics, have you had a conversation with somebody and you felt that you would literally be able to convince them that the information they have is either incomplete or incorrect? Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think I've had a conversation like that in 15 years. No, obviously not. I mean... Because the conversation that I had with a friend talking about a meme that he had posted about, you know, how capitalism is a failed system. And the thing is, is that, no, no, it's not capitalism. Capitalism is not the problem. Human nature is the problem. Because if you were right. to replace capitalism with some other economic system within a, a relatively short period of time, we would again have the same problems a greater divide between the haves and have-nots. You would you right. would still have... Communism has always worked the way when it's been implemented. Well, they've never implemented it right. Well, then isn't that an indication in and of itself? Yeah. Because it's been tried dozens of times, and if it hasn't been implemented by the right people, maybe the problem is not how it's being implemented. Maybe the problem is endemic to the people who implement it. Yeah, that's that's scary. I like to believe that 
everyone has good in them. But I'm also, I've been used and abused enough by life to realize that most people tend to not follow their, their better principles in all things. No. It's unfortunate, but and maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I am. I don't know. But there's only so many times you can get beat over the head before you realize, hey, you know, when he raises his hand, it's going to hurt. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. I hate to say this. I hate to cut this off. Um, Melissa, do you have a final last word? Use DuckDuckGo. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I like where your head's at. <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you guys very much. I know that this is a little impromptu. Um, we also have some other things going on later this week. I can't thank you guys enough. And, th and one last thing I'd like to also sort of thank you guys for keeping me honest. Well, somebody has to. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for thanks for putting all this work in. I mean, I keep saying you do like ninety percent of the work on the podcast, and I fully believe that. I mean, with all the editing and the posting and the hell, most of the research. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Uh, this is your house. We're just guests here. Uh, you you've done been a wonderful host to us. Well, thank you, and guys. to the audience. It, you guys are you guys are the reason why I do this, and um, I'm gonna actually stop recording right now before I before I start balling because you guys are just too sweet. <laughs> Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles Radio Show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>